Welcome to uh, another installment of this, you know, pandemic quarantine version of a Red River podcast. Uh, today, I get to catch up with somebody uh, who I kind of just met recently, but, uh, you know, pretty comfy talking back and forth, especially when it comes to music, even though he likes some whack shit and I don't, but that's cool. That's why we're, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here. Uh, what's up, Josh Lefkowitz, a.k.a. Uh, what's his what's his name? What's up, buddy? Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, coming on this show. I know that we we had a conversation over on If I Rule the World. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to get everybody up to speed, um, you put out like a memoirs called uh, Why You Mm -hmm. Will Never Be a Rapper, right? I forget the actual. Why You'll Never Be a Rapper, yeah. Yeah, just (laughs) kind of give us like a rundown of what that was. All right, cool. So um, basically I... um, I spent my life uh, trying to be a rapper. I'm from North Carolina and moved to New York, and that's sort of the short version. But um, I wrote a book about it. it. took me a really long time, and then I decided that I wanted to put it out like in a little bit more interesting way um, just because like the book industry is not really popping, as they say in the streets. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> so basically, I um, I recorded it as an audio book, and I scored the whole thing with uh, instrumentals. So it kind of plays like a mixtape. Um, so I called it "Why You'll Never Be a Rapper: A Memoir Mixtape." Um, it's available now on uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, Spotify and SoundCloud, it's in the correct order, but Apple, it is not in the correct order. So go with one of the ones that start with S's and you can get it, but it's 27 chapters and, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, I, I heard it. I I listened to it, you know, uh, like I told you when we did the other show, um, and it's one of those things where, you know, um, when you don't know someone and they're like, oh, check out my memoirs, um, it's like, oh, okay, like why should I listen to your memoirs? But when yeah. you when you hit play and you get into the story, there, there's a lot of really interesting things. And your journey, like like you legit, where some of us, you know, like George, especially George, you know, got signed to a, ma- a, a, a label. Right. You know, basically you were doing what we were doing, um, but you were just doing the hip-hop version of it. And right. you encountered... A bunch of people, you know, like Big Daddy Kane, like notably for yep. sure, um, became friends with Little Brother, who are from kind of where you're from, right? Yeah, I mean, it, for all intents and purposes, the group is from where I'm from, but each individual member, like none of them are actually from my hometown, but they formed in my hometown, which is Durham, North Carolina, where they all went to college. So we we came up in the same, like I was a little before them, even though we're like, you know, around the same age, like I'm, you know, a year and change older than Fonte and like a couple years older than Pooh and a little bit younger than ninth. But we came up in the same, um, you know, scene, like local scene. So uh, the last I, I always joke, the last show that I have on 
uh, VHS is uh, them opening up for me and me opening for the executioners. Oh, so I, you, know. you know what's funny? Yo, I, ju- <laughs> I just mentioned the executioners today. And Are you it's, serious? It's been a long time since I mentioned them, but like a friend of mine sent me, um, uh, they were talking about like Mike Patton, and I was, you know, uh-huh. he was like, um, um, you know, do you fuck with Mike Patton? I was like, I'm like, I even have the record he did with the executioners. Um, oh, wow. I don't know if you might know who Mike Patton is. I do. Okay, yeah. So I, you know, I know you're a big private. <laughs> You're a big. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna say a Primus. Yeah, fan. you're a big Primus <laughs> fan. Yeah, <laughs> Jerry was yeah. a race car driver. Yeah, uh, which I actually just listened to. So I talked to this dude, uh, Q Unique, who used to be in the Arsonist and you know rapper. So he was on the last mm-hmm. episode. He actually just recently posted a version of Primus's Jerry was a race car driver in Spanish, which they actually sang in Spanish, which just blew my fucking... Yeah, it just blew my mind. Um, (laughs) But yeah, man, the executioners were fucking no joke. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I love, you know, somewhere along the way, I I had this crossroads um, where I either wanted to be a DJ or or I wanted to play guitar. Obviously, I ended up playing guitar, but... DJ culture and all that stuff, man. I I loved it. Like those, um, ooh, those like DNC or like like those. Yeah. Like, you watched them shits with like Hubert and all these guys were. You know, a lot of my friends growing up. You know, instead of like bands at house parties, it was like DJ. So somebody would have a oh, house. Oh sure. Somebody would have a house party, and it's like oh shit, you know, DJ Ev or whoever like w- would be spinning, and that's really mm-hmm. that's really the the stuff that I came up with through my teens, you know, those, those house parties. So I always looked at the DJ and, uh, I don't know. I loved it. You know, like the, the mixing and that, like I just, to this day, oh, yeah. to this day, when I hear like songs, I'm always like, Oh shit. Like if I take Daytona 500 off the ghost yeah. record and I kind of like yeah. mix it up, you know, I could kind of blend it with, uh, you know, know the ledge or like fucking, uh-huh. uh, digable planets, fucking cool like that. You know, they, that big yeah. bass sound. Um, but Hell yo, yeah. also how far away was somebody like Rhapsody from your, your, uh, town? Um, Rhapsody was, she's way, I'll be honest. I don't know how old she is, but like her and like her crew that she came from, I have like no knowledge of them whatsoever. So it was like after my time. I think it was, so I think that she's like, I think she's like way younger than me. I don't know. Do you do you like look at you know now that you live here but you have this yep. connection to to the Carolinas? Yeah. Do you keep uh, up with like people that come from that area and do you feel kind of like a special like or do you go out of your way to to always at least listen to someone new from like north or south? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, definitely North Carolina. Like I always want to hear it because then I start to go, all right, who is he working with? Is he working with anybody that I'm friends with? Because, like, you know, we're all of age now. We're all, like, in our 40s and stuff. And some people I came up with are even, like, you know, 50. And everybody wants to still kind of have a piece of that world. It's like, oh, I'm a manager now or, you know, I'm whatever. And, you know, these kids are young and impressionable. So, like, the older (laughs) guys who used to be, like, popping in the scene, they're like, yeah, you know, I used to run with this one and that one. They're like, yeah, cool. Yeah. So um, I always, always, I mean, mostly via like social media. And then I'll kind of check in with um, my buddy who was like my mentor, uh, Melvin. Um, I'll check in with him and be like, hey, have you heard of this guy? Like, do you ever record him? 
or I'll check in with um, my buddy uh, Bro Rap, who was my DJ the entire time. And I'll be like, hey, have you heard this dude's music? And if he says no, then I know it's like, all right, he's not really like, gotcha. you know, big in the local scene. But it's it's such a different world, man. You know, lo- like music is just so damn different. Like how far? Not even the music. But, mm. How far removed are you from it? Like just from being a musician, you know, like, you know, yeah. you have your Long Island life, you know, sometimes you feel right. like. And you know what it is, too? Like hip hop culture is so, so youth culture. You know, like 100%. The, the Rolling Stones could, you know, fucking play whatever and no one's going to question right. it. You know, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, Mick Jagger's doing his thing. But like hip hop is so youth culture driven um, yeah. that it, it, it almost feels like a little different when you're like, um, you know, kind of like trying to like capture that stuff. So do you feel far removed from like, you know, the artist that you were? Um, you know, that's a good question. Samuel, is that your real name, Samuel? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> it's, it's Jewish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Samsonite. Um, no, um, you know that that's an interesting question. I mean, I feel very far removed from. I'm never, I'm never far removed from hip hop culture because that really shaped my entire life, even to this day. I mean, even like when I want to respond to something, the first thing that pops in into my head is the thing that I would like say to my friends 20 years ago. It's like not, you know, the, I work for a publicly <laughs> traded corporation answer. No, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I feel, I feel far removed in the sense of, I listen back to my music and I say like, this doesn't hold up. Like the music does, but like the lyrics, you know what I'm saying? Like, because of rap is so, machismo like you know yeah. like i just did you know like like i said i was i was doing what what rappers do and i'm very far removed from that but in terms of like my life up up until like 12 or 13 years ago i don't really feel that far removed from it it's like far removed enough to where i don't think about it and i don't like i don't have regrets or like kind of wish that i was still doing that but it, it's very much who i am i mean it was never an act i mean you know i had a stage name obviously but i was really just rapping josh i mean that's just you know everyone knew rapping josh and and i was the same man i wasn't you know a tough guy because that's what rappers were supposed to be i was always the same i'm still the same guy yeah yeah. so um you, i don't feel that far removed from it you know but he, he, even just like um as far as like the newer stuff you know like i know you and i have had some conversations yeah so when i knew, knew that you were like into hip-hop stuff and you you rap um a lot of times i'm so accustomed to meeting people who are extra counterculture and and almost like i'm i'm like I, I automatically think that you know who like you know company flow is, um, right. so it was very <laughs> yeah. different for me to like have a conversation with you where you were just like oh no you know like I like X Y and Z and Jay Z is my right. favorite rapper and I'm like wow I'm like right. okay that's yeah I was yeah I was a little bit different I mean I was you know again I mean like I'm super good friends with Fonte and like you know and those guys and they they you know i think their foresight was better in that they just kind of stuck to the the elemental hip-hop stuff which you know in retrospect might have been a better way to go because now they can tour forever and make music forever and do what they need to do um whereas i kind of felt like all right you know that's what i do and i'm always going to do that 
But I also, you know, I, I like the shit they play, you know, on the radio. And that was then, obviously. These days, I definitely don't. So I, I find myself kind of going into the place that I used to, like, <laughs> not really fuck with too much. Like, I find myself liking stuff and being like, oh, that's well, weird. I probably would have liked that 20 years ago. I you sent know? you, <laughs> when I sent you the NEM stuff, and you're like, oh, this is right. good. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, because he, uh, I don't know, there's something about NEMS that it's it's very easy to understand. You know, he's, yeah, yeah. he's not very much wowing you with wordplay, but his punchlines uh-huh. are very good. His his yeah. his production, his ear for production is great, but his punchlines are great. And, and it's not like you're listening to, to, to a mile a minute like rapper and you're like, oh, I think I understood almost every word, but not really. Um, yeah. So, so I do like that for sure. My favorite rappers were always like what I aspire to be was what I always like to call middle of the road rappers. They never stayed middle of the road, but they always were middle of the road. Like they always cared about lyrics and they always cared about picking good beats and like having good choruses and shit, you know, and I always felt like there was a divide there. So like, you know, a lot of the groups that you were into when I was, you know, listening to music with an ear of well, what I how does what I make compare to this? I always felt like they took a step back and they just, to me, it just didn't feel like they could do, you know, something to make the music sound a little bit more commercial. Because the thing is, like, if you're making music, it is for people to hear. I mean, it's not for you, yeah, right? It's for <laughs> you in for the creation process. Sure. But if you want people to like it, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't just make shitty music and be like, well, this is what I like. No, but you know like, what I'm saying? The, so that, that was always a divide for me. You know? And But the thing is, is like, sometimes there's like a, there's always going to be a niche audience. So coming up, that's what it was. I was always into like the things that I was into were just always niche. Like whether it was right. like Lollapalooza stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like it was right. always like, a, like a punk rock thing or like alternative stuff. Mm-hmm. It was always kind of like, uh, I guess slightly off from like, you know, yeah. I, I still like pop music. I still like a lot of right. stuff. I still, I still love Jay-Z. Um, but right. Th- you know, I veered off a little bit more, you know, to certain things and, uh, you know, Jay, yeah. Jay's interesting too. Um, right. Because he, man, it's amazing. Like just, you know, from where he started to where he is now, um, I think uh-huh. he's, he's very comfortable in his skin. Like he's making legit grown man rap, you know? And uh, and the music got better because he got more comfortable. And had I had my current brain 20 <laughs> years ago, this would have, you know what I mean? Like this would be a totally different scenario. And, and that's also, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I wasn't... Um, I just wasn't in the right headspace to be able to appreciate different variations of, of hip hop. Like I would hear, you know, the company flows and these guys, and I would just be like, yeah, that's not good enough. Like, I want you, I want to, I want to listen to it. And I, and I want to say like, damn man, I can't do that. Yeah. Like I'm not as good as that. Like I, I, like I shit, I need to make a song as good as that. And if I wasn't inspired in that way, I would just be like, man, why? Why would you pick that beat? It so was like not. Let's let's you know. let's build on that because it, it, okay. F- so company flow is an interesting one because it has LP. LP now right. um, found Killer Mike, and yes. they create Run the Jewels, which which on it, paper makes no sense to me. No sense, but 
But go ahead. It's fucking great. That's fucking amazing. Um, because right. I, I think he. So here's a guy who who made these, you know, fucking really futuristic, weird sounding like, you know, I I always said they were like the Dillinger escape plan of like hip hop, where it was just so hard to. It, it was just like you know, like almost like art type rap. Yeah. Um, right. And then he meets Killer Mike. And they put out Run the Jewels, and I think they took the best of their of of LP, LP's production, and mm-hmm. somehow made it I, between like the Run the Jewels logo, the hand, and the fucking gun, like everything. It's so good. The light it was just lightning in a bottle, and these guys that have been plugging away for twenty years in the underground finally yeah. met each other, and they hit this appeal, and now they are like arguably I, I don't i can't think of a, a bigger hip-hop group at the moment that has the most appeal you know yeah yeah but uh it's it's unbelievable man how how that works um one one crew not to like make this about our opinions on hip-hop sure but um one one crew that took me a really 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 long time to sort of start to appreciate is uh the whole griselda movement ah we, um, we, i remember we had <laughs> So I, I remember your quote. <laughs> I don't know what the quote was, but I promise you, I didn't like him at the yeah. time. But now I do. Do you but remember? Now you I don't do. remember what you said. No, what did I say? That they just didn't make good music. No, I think you were like, oh, I forgot what it was, but it was just almost like you, you know, you you basically said the production was cool, but like they, you know, they it sounds like they wrote whatever songs in like two seconds. And I, oh, yeah. I agree that they, their output is a little too prolific for it to yeah. be under quality control. Like there's yeah, really no, there's, no, there's no reason for them no to put out like, control. there is no reason for them to put out 10 albums in like a year, but no, continue. but um, yeah, it took me a really, really long time. And I was having like a crisis with it because I felt like I was supposed to like it. So it was like one of those things where I was like, I don't get this at all, but like, I feel like I'm missing something and I just kept plugging away, kept plugging. It took me like, it took me like over a year to finally go like, you know, I listened to this yesterday and now I want to listen to it again today. And that's, you know, to me, that's the true test of whether or not I like something. It's whether or not my brain goes, you know, listen to that such and such album, because I can listen to an album and go like, yeah, you know, that was cool. And then I realized six months later that I literally never listened to it ever again. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's because my brain just never told me to like it, you know, never told me to, to listen. Which, which, so, is, um, which is the one that, that broke it for you? Um, I think it was WW, um, WWCD. Well, that was their, their joint project. I think that was the one that I really, really tuned in. And then um, the Benny project. What was the, not I the love last. that one. The plugs. On um, nope. Not the plugs on that shit. Um, fuck, what was the one? See, now I'm going to like, you know what the beauty is about like, I can just like Google this right now. Because um, I'm going to look at the thing. I mean, I'll just chop oh, all this God nonsense damn it. Oh, you know what? It, you're right. It was plugs I met. Yeah. I was thinking Tana Talk, but it was it was plugs I met. Yeah, plug- and then I went back and I listened to Tana Talk. That was cool. I really like... um. I like um, um, Conway's album a lot. Um, Which one? The, the last one that came the last out. One? I like. Yeah, I, I like um, the one. I like the one before. Oh, so this one is the one that has like Eminem on it, and right. 
Um, no, Eminem was on the the joint project, right? No, Eminem was on on the Conway album. See, they uh, this goes uh, Lulu. Okay. Lulu's the one he did with the Alchemist. It just came oh, out. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that one's actually like fun. Like um, the, show, the one you're like talking Jaws. about. Yeah, he's got the jaw shit on the front. The one you're talking about is um, Bang. Yep. Yes, I have a cheat sheet now. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I like that one a lot. And West plus. Side's album. How about? I like West Side's album too. Actually, the new one. He just put out a new album. I just can't keep up with, with the, like, it, seriously? It's so fast. I just, I don't get the, like, I mean, listen, they're doing great. <laughs> but I'm thinking, like, yeah. I feel like there's so many wasted tracks, you know? Like, people, um, I don't know, I, just, I, I don't get the game plan behind that to, to kind of flood, because, like, I don't know. Here's what, here, here's my guess. They know that, basically, their core fans, they know what they want to hear, and they know what their core fans are going to spend and like what they need to sell and how, you know, how much they can make off of tours. And they know that now, you know, they've signed with like rock nation management, they're on shady. So they're inevitably just going to get like a bigger audience. So it's like, all right, we can just put out the same thing. We know how fast we can do it. We know where to get the beats from. We know where we can take chances and we'll do that. And to me, they know that, you know, the music is no longer like the big ticket item in the whole package. Now it's like the other shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like the music is like the incense in the record store. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll buy these. That's fine. Yeah. It, that's not what the money is. The money is in the shows. I mean, you know, the, the bigger they get, the more their fan base grows. You know, they start getting God knows what per show. I mean, if they're getting, you know, 25, 30 grand a show, 50, who the hell knows? I mean, that's a lot of money. It's a you lot know what of I'm money. Saying? And uh, <laughs> so, it, to to bring it back to you, like, um, the recording technology now is, is crazy. Yep. Like, you don't like, yep. you're not pressing shit up. You know, everything's like a digital shot over to like you know, know. all the platforms. Uh, the studio is basically a laptop. Um, do you? What was like the 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 technology around the time that you stopped? Was it anywhere near that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last thing that I was doing was putting out like mix CDs. But even then, I knew by like my last project that like the physical copy was no longer. I mean, I stopped like I stopped about 12 or 13 years ago. There was definitely already, you know, iTunes and um, and that whole deal. So, I mean, it was it was already MP3s and iPods and yeah. shit. And, you know, the, the CD was just there to like, all right, man, here it is now. Upload it to your iTunes, you yeah. know. So I, I knew that, like, I didn't need to do it anymore. But nobody was, was not doing physical copies. Meanwhile, what a what a help that is that you don't have to make physical copies anymore. You it's, know what I mean? I used to uh, press up records and shit. Like, a lot, yeah. I, we, like, oh my with God. my band, like, I think 2012. We printed. Yep. That was the last time we did. And I'm like, okay, a hundred of these. That's fine. Because at that point, I was just like, you know what? I'm like, what's what's the point? Like, I th I don't want to do physical. You know? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Like, if we're not going to tour. We're not going to do anything. It's like, I don't want to do that. So uh, I was always a little bit behind the eight ball with with technology and just kind of like what people were doing. It's like, I I sort of blame that on where I come from because I've always been cultured, but 
you know, no disrespect to North Carolina, but culturally it's, it's just always like five to 10 years behind everything. <laughs> it just, it just is. It's like not a, like a Southern joke, but it really is. I mean, like I see people doing shit now on like Instagram. I'm just like, Oh man, come on, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like nobody believes like the, you know, you, you walk into the lobby of a record label when you're in New York and you take a picture in front of the sign. Like nobody oh believes God. that yeah. shit. No, <laughs> like, nobody believes that anymore. It's like, you're not meeting with universal, you know what I'm saying? Like nah. it's, it's just, it's crazy. So yeah, I mean, that was my experience too. That, I was, like I said, I was always behind the eight ball. That is the one thing, man, you know, with, with social media, that's funny is, um, especially in the, in the music side of things where, um, you know, and, and I always feel bad, but like, you know, like, uh, some delusions are really funny and the people that document these delusions and, you know, these signings yeah. and these things. And it's just kind of like, wow, it's like, why would you do that? That's kind of weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> just... I always really, I mean, a lot of my book is like how I, how I really had a problem with the whole, like fake it till you make it culture which, you know, has now been extended to social media. It's like everybody has like their social media persona, you know, and I always hated that shit. You know, I was always more of like, a man, I just want to make music. Like, I don't want to do this shit. I don't want to like pretend like I'm, you know, super popping. Like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and, I, and I had to because that's all I knew. Like in my mind, that was what that's what you did. You bullshitted. You acted like you were the biggest thing in the world. And then the label would go like, oh, really? Oh, OK, cool. And like, I just, I hated every minute of it. And that's why it ultimately, you know, didn't work out for me because I just, I couldn't play the game anymore, man. It's like, it's it's gross. I'm too genuine for that shit. Speaking of playing the game, um, you made, Uh you made a pretty funny reference. Um, and I wanted to touch on the show. You somehow we, we name dropped uh, Dasset on uh, (laughs) via text. And I was like, holy shit, this dude remembers Dasset. What did you think of that show? Because that was probably, you know, maybe like 10 years ago, 10, 12, probably around the time that you probably stopped, maybe. See, I think we might be talking about two different things. Oh, it's not the the White Rapper show? No. Oh, my God. What the fuck is Dasset then? That's from a, it's a YouTube video. And the guy was like a transgender Oh, wow. He pretended to be transgender, and he was like, "That's it." Wow, you yo, took... you from Westchester? Wow, no, I had no idea. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, but well... no, the White Rapper Show. That's funny because um, there was actually a time before that show came out when a guy I was sort of working with was like, "Hey, um, you want to audition for this show about white rappers? Uh, it's going to be on like VH1 or something." And I was like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> <laughs> What, so, and then I found out after that came out that the show was intended to make fun of the people on the show. Uh, like yeah. that was the purpose of it. The guys who did it, like Ego Trip, they uh, like that was they were just playing everyone. You know what I'm which, saying? Which like, is they, they funny they because were, like you get someone who has such credibility, like an MC Search. Yeah, someone who was so angry at someone at like like Vanilla Ice for like you know knocking back white rappers like a hundred like so it's it's strange that you know but then they also had on like a lot of like legit hip-hop people on there talking to these kids but i remember watching the show and thinking if these are the 10 best what were the rest like what was the other 90 that didn't make the show because these these 10 (laughs) are terrible 
like just terrible, yeah. like unbelievably terrible. And, and I, I don't know how they picked them. Um, and one of the guys was Dassett. And, uh, was it? Yeah. I think Holy he was, shit. I think he was the first one to be eliminated and he's, yeah, it was Dassett. So when you said Dassett, I was like, oh, okay, this white rapper is definitely referencing Ooh. the white rapper show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Li- little did I know that you're referencing right. completely something different. It was something that I'm going to uh, text you as soon as we finish recording this. <laughs> um, so what, 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 what was it about the show that, that just made you say no? Because in some way, like, you could have gotten some eyeballs. Right. Um, you know, the show didn't exist. It was like, I mean, I don't know if they had more than one season of that. But the idea, I some things I knew and some things I didn't know, like in terms of like, how I wanted to be perceived or like what I wanted to do. One thing I knew for sure, I did not want to ever get signed off of a reality show in my mind. That was not the way I wanted to go. I I never wanted to be the dude from that show. And and I was just like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not just like going to be in a pool of white rappers because I never was like, you know, I didn't like look at myself like a white rapper. I was just a rapper yeah. that was white. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want to do that. And I just felt like it, it was a bad look. And then again, you know, <laughs> hindsight, I looked back and I was like, oh, wow, that was, they were making fun of those people. Yeah. So thank God for that, man. So it, it's interesting when you're like uh, the only, you know, something in a group. You know, um, uh-huh. because you do get kind of, you know, like uh, predominantly, you know, hip hop is is not, you know, uh, a white dominated thing like rock is, right. let's say. Um, so a band like Bad Brains or like yeah. Living Color, Living Color, you know, those, I knew you were gonna say that. yeah, like yeah. these these people, you know, and maybe now like Gary Clark. So like it's it's one of these things, yeah. you know, like. Um, Fishbone, yeah, and, and it, it seems like uh, you know there's a ton more, but uh, it's, yeah. it's it's always interesting to to be the one that you know uh, you're you know like white whites are so um, you know like uh, obviously the majority of the country. So when you're in this uh, field in this world, you're the minority, you know. So that, yeah, I thought that was always an interesting like take on it. It was. Um, <laughs> So anyway, uh, I asked you, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, we wanted to talk about a certain record and, uh, yep. you know, we go back and forth on, on certain things. I think you even, did you, you hated the Gangstar, the last record, right? I, I did hate it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. You always come with those hot takes. And I was like, yo man, I'm like, I got to talk to this motherfucker, man. Like, kill yeah. I'm, I, I'm not the type of person that will like. Like I'm not this guy. I'm not the. But it's Gangstar. I'm not that guy. Yeah. It's like no, no, no. Don't put out a subpar record. I don't want to hear it. I really, really liked that song. The single. Um, what was it called? Loyalty. Yeah. Loyalty. Um, Diamonds. What the fuck was it called? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I forgot what it's called. But the I, one with J. Cole. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think yeah yeah. I really liked that song. I thought it was fantastic. I loved the beat. Like I wanted to keep listening to it. And then I listened to the rest of the album and I was just like, nah, man. <laughs> oh, <come> on, man. <laughs> I mean, like, do you even know, nah. you know how hard premiere worked on that for him to get that? I know. Like he needed, to, I know. he needed to go through fucking that dude who was holding on to those fucking verses. Yeah. 
everything yeah. he did. And then I listened to it and I was like, this is great. Like, you know, like what, what can you, for what he had to work with, I thought it was a really, I, I like that they went out on that record because I didn't really like Owners. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that either. Okay. I mean, could we agree that Hard to Earn is their best album? Yes, we could agree. Okay, good, good. Um, so, you know, I wanted to talk to you and uh, about The Infamous this time. So The Infamous, Mob Deep, 1995, classic record, just celebrated yep. 25 years. Um, and uh, I, I thought it'd be fun. You know, this is another one of those series that we uh, pick a classic record uh, and then mm-hmm. individually pick our five favorite songs from this album. Um, I just did the Cypress Hill one. I did the first Ozzy record. So now I get to do this with you. And um, also it's like a connection to, you know, High Fidelity, man. I love that movie. I love the TV uh-huh. show. So, you know, everything in life is, a, you know, everything's a top five, you know? So I, I like sure. that, that angle of it. I, did you love that movie? You know, I saw it so long ago and I saw it one time and I don't think I was paying attention to where I like, I don't remember anything about it. And I also have never seen the show. So okay. the answer is, I don't know. I probably, it's one of those things I just need to go back and watch because I'll probably love it. And shit. I definitely worked at a record store for like three years and you know, Okay, did you? Oh yeah, for sure. Was that like it was so, amazing? Yeah, because I um just recently I was having this conversation. You know, I was watching Empire Records, and um, that came out in 1995, just like this album. And I thought to myself, mm. back then, uh, that's kind of all I wanted to do. I wanted to own a record store. You know, like that's that was the like the goal. Like you, we couldn't see, you know, that eventually these things were not going to be you know yeah. valuable but back then it's like okay this is all i want to listen to music all day and when people come in i'm going to tell them what sucks and what you know and uh, man listen that was such a a fantastic job like what was the year you, for you, you? um so i worked there between like sophomore and senior year of college so three years from like i guess i was like 19 through 22 or something oh man the whippersnapper era oh my god and i'm telling you i mean that's when you know the cd was king back then we used to have like the midnight madness sales for like you know new releases and i worked with a crew that was like every single person there was like totally obsessed with music and like everybody had their thing that they liked so like no i worked with one dude that was super into like the chili peppers and like madonna and then like you know i had like the older gay dude and he was like super into you know melissa etheridge and then like you know the manager was super into like old 70s soul and then you know the other guy was into pop and the other guy was in a rock band so he was like into you know stone temple pilots and nirvana and pearl jam and all that shit and then the other guy was more into like tool and nine inch nails and and, and like we all just coexisted in this space and would like, I mean, like the conversations we're having now, we would have these conversations every single day, like all day. And it was it was amazing. You know what I mean? Like it was just such a great place. What? And we were all happily making five dollars an hour. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Didn't matter back then. What was <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in that eight in that time range? What, what were some of like the CDs that were really popping off that you remember people um, were just 
You know, um, all of the No Limit catalog came out then. Okay, I remember. Um, that. I was I was never ever a fan of No Limit, but uh, that whole thing and they were like Griselda. They would just like put out a new record like every week. <laughs> it had these like ridiculous <laughs> pen and pixel covers with yes. like people, you know, flying in bathtubs full of money, you know, through money and shit. Um, it was just totally absurd. Um, so that was out. Um, I remember the Midnight Madness sale for uh, Wu Tang Forever. Oh wow, ninety-seven. That was a good one. Um, I actually stole one of those and I traded it for. Um, I I had a I my first tattoo was when I was like sixteen. I got it with a fake ID and it's like shitty, and I had it like edited kind of like just touched up a little bit, and I traded like the touch up for a stolen Wu-Tang Forever CD that I jacked, like, you know, from the Midnight Madness, too. Really? Not just like a so, Yeah, totally. And here's here's two cool, quick things that happened in that record store. One, I sold a bunch of uh, CDs to Teddy Riley, oh, who just shit. had a huge battle. Yeah, and I remember I had a conversation with him, and he, like, told me I was right. Um, LSG was Levert Sweat Gill. It was, like, a super group, R&B group. And I remember listening to it the day before it came out. And I was like, wow, this is pretty shitty. They're doing a lot of like covers. And then um, he came up to the counter and I asked him what he was doing in North Carolina. And he pointed outside and there was a blue Ferrari. I remember he was wearing a chain that had his face on it in platinum. Wow. Half of it was white <laughs> wow. diamonds and half was blue diamonds. And uh, so he was in town to buy a Ferrari. And I and he went to buy the Levert Sweat Gill thing. And I pointed to it and I said, you heard that? And he said, no, how is it? I was like, honestly, man, you have Gerald Levert, Keith Sweat, and Johnny Gill, and they're doing like remakes? I was like, what? what's that? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, no, I, yeah. And then his, uh, his debit card was declined, so that was pretty awesome. And then I made a photocopy of it, and that was awesome. We hung that up in the back. And then the best thing that ever happened was I got a call one night. It was really slow. It was like 30 minutes before we were about to close. And they asked a bunch of weird questions. And I was like, yeah, man, we're open for another 30 minutes. A car pulled up. Big dude got out. It was like a limousine. Um, and uh, in walks Prince. And <laughs> he he walked around the entire store. There was like two other people in there. That was one of the questions they asked me. They said, are you guys pretty busy right now? I was like, now we're pretty dead. So he's walking around the store. He's got his sunglasses on. He's just grabbing millions and millions. I mean, he must have bought like 30 CDs that night. Um, but his his bodyguard was like basically social distancing. Yeah. Um, so like somebody was coming up and tried to like speak to him. And the guy came out and like almost like strong armed her. Wow. And uh, yeah, he yeah. bought he bought like 30, 40 CDs. It was amazing. Do you was, remember like, anything? 20 feet from me. Do you remember anything that he bought specifically? Oh God, I I have no idea. No. I'm not even gonna try. It wasn't I have the... no idea. He bought a shitload of CDs and he was grabbing them really fast. So it wasn't even like he needed to think about it. He was just like this one and this one and this one and this one. And then when it was time for him to go, he his bodyguard opened up the entrance door and he walked back out the entrance door because the exit door you would have had to like go past the cash register. You know what I'm saying? That's it was like a little amazing. bit too intimate. It was it was unbelievable. Maybe he needed to do so, uh, coke off of those CD caves cases. I don't think he was doing any coke. But <laughs> nah, you know. I, <laughs> I mean, what's he going to do? Witness. Sue me for for right. you know making <laughs> false claims? Um, 
Right. Man, that, that's awesome. Very cool. Anyway, uh, yeah. But anyway. I digress. Mob Deep. Let's do it. Um, so five, our five favorite songs off of the Infamous. Um, I'm gonna do number five. So g- give me your fifth favorite. I know that you were having an okay. issue with the, with the picking five. It's a great uh, record. It's impossible. It, it it is. If you ask me to do a top eight, this would be the easiest conversation of all time. <laughs> and maybe you know my four and my three would be interchangeable. Sure, sure. Five is very hard because I'm consciously leaving off. Yeah. Two, if not three songs that are maybe t- maybe going to be in your top five. Okay. So my number five, I predict this is going to be lower for you, is Eye for an Eye. Number five, huh? Featuring Raekwon and uh, Nas. Wow. I mean, what can you say about that song? <laughs> That's <laughs> Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, uh, I'll save it because it's on my list. But anything yeah, you want to say about I, it? I knew it was going to be lower. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Mob Deep, specifically Prodigy, is such a great lyricist. And then you're just listening and you're like, holy shit, that's Nas. And then you're listening, it's like, holy shit, that's Raekwon. And like all their verses were fantastic. And um, you, you can't not put that just because of who's on there. You can't not put that in the top five. Absolutely. That was my feeling. Absolutely. Um, so I got my number five. My, my number five, uh, you know, it's t- tough again. You know, it's uh, I I genuinely don't think that there is a bad song on it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know that you feel like there might be one or two, but uh, my number five is QU Hectic. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting choice. It's, you know, it's a dark beat, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, w- when I really... When I really like soak in the song and 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 the album, um, and I had to make that list, I I just couldn't leave that song out because it's so, you know, just such a brooding like sound. The production on it, uh, a lot of the records, you know, due to Havoc, he has a very no frills uh, production style, and uh, right. every now and then he'll pull out some you know tricks and stuff, but it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, mm-hmm. So my number five, Q U Hectic. Wow. Interesting choice. Number four for you? Number four, I went with Drink Away the Pain. Okay. That's featuring Q Tip. Q Tip, yeah, yeah. So I went with that because um Q Tip was on it and I thought that that was such a departure from the rest of the album. Um you know, because Q Tip is not like you know, (laughs) everyone every other rap on there is like hardcore thug street rap. And then here comes Q-Tip with his like little playful, happy, <laughs> dancey little stuff, little thing. Um, I happen to love Q-Tip. Tribe's like my favorite group of all time. Oh, we, um, I know, and I and know. he produced that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, I, I put that number four. And I got to say, um, I feel like out of all the features, um, I don't know, that might have been the, the best one. I feel like Q-Tip yeah. really, like his vibe on it, like he, he I think he outwrapped. I think I think he beat everyone on that song. So, uh, and it interesting, it, yeah, man. It, it's funny to have him hidden, you know, somewhere in the back over there. And the fact that he produced it, I love it. Uh, mm-hmm. So my number four is probably a lot of people's number one, but it's Shook Ones Part Two. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I hate to be a basic dude, but uh, you know, it's just, basic bitch. Yeah, I can't leave it out, you know? Yeah, you heard of us, official yeah. Queensbridge murder. Like, everything about yeah. it. Like, if you ever wanted to do time on death row and we're about to, like, uh-huh. murk someone, like, yep. you know, that, that's that's the soundtrack right there. It's, it's a timeless Absolutely. song. 
a lot of these songs, man, it's funny, you know, like the, the production is so minimal and quiet and it's like so mid tempo, but the, um, they really captured, well, I don't know. I assume they captured where they're from. You know, there's, there's so many angles about like their youth. Uh, and there were such mm-hmm. young kids, you know, making this record. Oh, yeah. And it was such a big quantum leap from, um, that first record. I forget the fucking name of it. Yeah, Juvenile, Juvenile Hell. Hell. Okay, exactly. Which I can't imagine anyone heard that album really. I remember their single called "Hit It from the Back." <laughs> <laughs> it's on Spotify. But, uh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, but that you know that was definitely not like a big record by any stretch no, of the imagination. But here they come back. You know, like I was talking about on, on Facebook, like as far as like sophomore records. Um, oh yeah. Not many groups. You know, th- this is a quantum leap. You know, Tribe did the same thing with Low End Theory. Um, and and so did the Fugees. The Fugees. Wow, the score. That's a good one. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, blunt, Blunted on Reality was, like, stupid. And then the score was, like, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest album ever. <laughs> it had some bangers on there, but it wasn't, you know, that. No, that, I did Yeah, but listen, the you know, Nappy Heads remix definitely. Oh, helped, yeah. That, that, hel- that helped out. But, like, man, the score was just like, wait, is this the same band? yeah oh it was crazy uh, um and you know what that's a really good segue because guess what my number three is go ahead shook ones part two. Oh shit yeah so <laughs> yeah i i couldn't uh like you said i mean i didn't want to be a basic bitch but i'm not gonna lie and say that that's not one of the top five songs on the album I mean, if you put that on right now anyone who who actually like Ma, likes mob deep is not gonna be upset that you put that song yeah, on you yeah, know what i'm saying that's, i mean it's not like uh you know no, it's not like hypnotized by Biggie Smalls. You no, <laughs> so you're not gonna be like, yeah. all right. No, good one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would never put <laughs> that on there. Uh, yeah, no way. <laughs> Biggie, Biggie gets those deep cuts, man. Like that's the one yeah. that I really go for. Um, and okay. you know, if we're gonna talk about our five favorite songs from fucking the infamous, I mean, the, the, we we need to mention Shook ones. Um, so then Absolutely. that brings me to my number three, which is Give Up the Goods. Nice. Give Up the Goods. Uh. I don't know, man. That the whole record's great, but that first half yep. is uh uh-huh. that's 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 some serious shit, you know, and, and um uh, it's such a gangster record and um mm-hmm. the I know that they took out that interlude on on some of the, the reissues where that he you know, after uh the forty first side of things where like he's like, Yeah, he's like, Hold on a minute. He's like, Let me let me talk <laughs> You know, like, Brian, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yo, when I was like, by the way, he was, he was talking about Keith Murray. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Cause I know <laughs> Keith, Keith Murray, like I know that they had a run in too, like somewhere in the tunnel. Uh, yeah. But so, you know, like I'm man. Yeah. At this point I'm like 17 Long Island, uh, you know, nowhere near wherever these guys live. And you listen to this stuff and <laughs> you know, it's funny. You get, like you listen to it and you're like, Holy shit. You're like, this is like the toughest like intro ever. Like, right. it's just, like <laughs> yeah. completely like, ver- like he's, I, I'm scared that he's yelling at me and I, he doesn't even know me. You yeah. Know? <laughs> he's going to start punching people in their face just for living. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before I start punching you, you fa- just for living. I'm like, wow, just yeah. for living. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> it's not my fault, P. Uh, <laughs> number two. You gave me. Oh, so I'm, you're on my number two. Um, number two, I'm going with Survival of the Fittest. All right. That's what I got. Uh, number two. Um, yeah. So, um, again, uh, an obvious choice, but I'm not going to lie and say that that's not in the top 
you know, three songs on the album because it's amazing. The beat's amazing. There's a war going on outside. Yeah, no man yeah. is safe from um, extra, extra relevant in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, um, I'm definitely not the uh, one millionth person to say this, but Prodigy is probably the best, like, first bar uh he's the first bar champion the first bar like he's got the best the, the best <laughs> opening lines oh my god there's a war going on outside no man is safe from um what was uh shook ones let me think off my head i got you stuck Just off the, the realness. realness you heard of us yeah you know i'm saying like yeah. it's it's queens get the money long time no cash yep i mean it's 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 just such a classic song. Again, put it on anywhere. Anybody that's a Mob Deep fan will not be mad that you put that song on. Same thing, man. Number two for me. And uh, later on, like, I hate mashups. I hate. Me too. I, I fucking like let my hip hop hip hop and let my rock rock. Like, I don't want I don't want yeah. a mixture. I, I, I don't like that. But. Yeah, loud. I don't acknowledge uh, Jay Z, Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> but loud, loud put out this thing, this record where they combined uh, bands with a, uh, uh, you know, rock bands with loud artists, and mm. uh, sick of it all did Survival of the Fittest with fucking yeah. um, with Mob Deep, and it was fucking good, man. Like they just, oh I really? Yeah, I don't know what happened. Like I'm like, oh, this is kind of mm. not awful, like it should be. You know, yeah. I just don't like like even like live like when I see a when I see a hip hop group that like um like when I see Public Enemy with a band I'm like why like, yeah I don't want I like I I want if I want Bring Ter- the noise. I want Terminator X fucking right. with with like I just I you know like I could I'll go watch a rock show if I want to go see a rock show like I want a fucking right. hip hop show um right. and I think a lot of those dudes have this like thing where they were told that they're not real music and a lot of them are like oh we'll be with a band you know like jizzit does the live band stuff and it's like unless you're the roots and that's how you started like i just i don't want to hear it i want to hear fucking yeah liquid, i want to hear liquid swords the way i remember it um, yeah <laughs> yeah but it's funny unless the roots are behind you because then they make everything sound like the record so uh, uh, basically a band that i i don't think ever put out a bad record um oh, yeah. so to detour for a second there i think what i might do because somebody brought up um the best opening line of of a hip-hop song and then you said it again so that would be an interesting top five you know like the first best opening lines and um (laughs) hip hop uh, (laughs) (laughs) well somebody said it was uh public enemies fucking uh uh, I got a letter from the government that said that I, like they were suckers. Like they were like, that's, that's the <laughs> yeah. best. Song. And I was like, you know what? That's so true. Um, so yeah. <laughs> our number one, obviously I know I don't have the same number one as you because you already mentioned my number one, but what's your number one? Right. Uh, you already mentioned mine. Okay. Uh, my number one is give up the goods. Yeah. So here's the thing about that song, because I, I had to really be able to stand behind this. Full disclosure, I'm not sure it's the best song on the album. However, if you go back to back to back to back to back with all the top five songs, this one, this beat gives me the chills yeah. every single time. The flow. It just does. The flow, too. I mean, just even the, yeah, the flow is fantastic. You know, 
Um, also, uh, J. Cole, who I like. Um, I'm not a humongous, humongous fan, though I actually have a quote from him tattooed on my arm, not because he said it, just because it applied. Sure. But um, that's a side note. Um, but he actually used the same sample in a different way, and it's actually pretty good on a Forest Hills Drive album. Okay. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's like slower. But yeah, that beat, um, it gives me the chills every time. Like I could listen to that loop just just playing for like 24 hours and it, it just does something to me emotionally. And uh, that just mixed with like how it starts with the drums and just like the lyrics and like, that was just enough for me. I was like, you know what, man, this is, this is the one for me. I'm just, it, one. I mean, it's true. It's true today. I don't know about tomorrow. It, it will change. <laughs> I, before I give You're my right. number one, um, I do love, I want to give a special shout out to, to the prelude. I think that prelude's great. Oh man. my God. Isn't that prelude the, great? Well, you told me the one where they're just rapping a cappella. Yeah. Oh, that's in my top. That's in my top like ten. That's in my top nine. <laughs> you know, like when I hear that, I still remember that. I don't even rap, but I'm like, I, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, oh, I still know all these lyrics. One in Queens, one yeah, in Manhattan, one, one in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, you're so good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my number yeah. one is Eye for an Eye. It's always been. There's something about yep. it. I like the, the beat is just dark. It's it's sinister. It's so good. Um, I mean, listen, you have fucking in 95, you have Raekwon fresh off of Cuban links and you have Nas off of fucking Illmatic featuring uh, on, yeah. on your goddamn song. You know, like right. that's like, you know, like yes. the top, the top of the mountain. Um, I don't rap, but I could definitely rap the whole fucking song. I, I know those words. I hear it, uh, yeah, you know, it's so good. The butter soft leather upholstery, keep the gag close. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just like I'm, I, I, I could do it. I sound like an idiot. But. Yeah, you know, people don't, um, people don't give Prodigy enough credit in just sort of like the all time best because one of the things that like I've literally never spoken about this with anybody else that's ever written raps ever, but like one of the things about writing lyrics is, is not just like putting together two sentences where the word at the end rhymes, like that's easy. It's also not doing the flow that's in your head because you hear other rappers doing it because that's also easy and that's lazy. It's your choice of words. It's like Prodigy's choice of words is so, it's just so exceptional. Like if you really go back and listen to it, like I'm not saying it's like eloquent per se. I'm just saying that like, it's just his choice of words. Like, I, I don't know. It's it, it, it's hard. Like he used the word upholstery, and it sounded yeah, good. Yeah, upholstery. Yeah, yeah. That's like not a cool word. To <laughs> yeah, say. and then like, kick the gap closely. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, just, oh my god, it's it's so good. His man. his feature. I one of my favorite features is that fucking uh, uh, LL Cool J man. I shot you. Oh yeah, that's you know? great. Illuminati want my soul and my body. Yeah, want my mind, soul and my, my body. body. Yeah, secret society. Yo, I love trying it. to keep down. That's what I'm saying. If you really, really go back and listen to what he's saying, it's like, it's like very interesting choice of words, and that's what really, really like you, you'd miss it if you weren't paying attention to it. But it, it's so good, and, and so like exceptional. And who kicked off that song? Long Island Zone, Keith Murray. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> cool man. So yeah, man. I guess how about how about honorable mentions? Go ahead. Start of the ending is a fantastic intro. Yeah, hard for me not to put it on there. Absolutely. Fantastic sets the entire mood for the record. Uh, 
I love temperatures rising. It's so good. The chick who sings on it, her voice is not very good, which is what allowed me to not put it in my top five. Absolutely. And, I swear, <laughs> same fucking reason. I was like, if that girl did not sing the hook, the fucking flow and the lyrics. Yeah. And what it, I mean, they could have. Yeah. They could have at least gotten like Miss Jones. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> she's yeah. like a little bit better than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then up, up North trip is like so good. Like the beat is so good for up north trip. It was really hard leaving that out of my top five. Lyrically but, uh, too. Like know. it just it painted oh, a picture. So good. It painted yeah. a picture like really like where you're like you feel like you're you're there and like you it's super vivid. Yep. Cause That's it, all. I'll I'll keep all the rest of them. All right, man. Well I guess uh that's it, man. We we wrapped one up. Uh yeah. thanks for coming on and shooting the shit with me. Thanks for telling everyone a little bit about your uh background and uh thanks for yeah, talking absolutely. some mob deep yeah man I, I i love it anytime i appreciate it if you're stuck in quarantine and you want to listen to eight and a half hours <laughs> of uh a very interesting book it's good man why you'll never be a rapper for sure i'll, I'll put that link up too cool. i appreciate you sir Yo, son, world is born, done. Sometimes I wish I had three different faces. I'm going to court for three cases in three places. One in Queens, Manhattan, one in Brooklyn. The way things is looking, I'ma see sent you bookings. Facing three, three to nines is mad time. After rent concurrent for assaulting two nines, I gotta maintain. Cause stress on the brain can lead to a motherfucking suicide thing. And plus my probation, a L violation. How the fuck did I get in this tight situation? I'm going all out. You know moves I never fake. And fuck the Jake Dick. Can catch me at my wake And if I die Burn the bag of blade Put the lie in the air Sometimes I just don't care Son, I got plans Power movements Get on some rules shit I keep living like this I might lose it My man's coming home From doing long ass bids Without Kiko I ain't seen your ass Since we was kids It's all strange My niggas locked down Thinking long range And see their names In the daily news Third page It sent a kite To my nigga killer It only took one sword To put seven holes In a squiller A three to nine Spending most of his time I'm inside the bing, recline, and still came home with his shines. Word up. Dark Satellite Media. Hey, welcome to Red Fucking River over the phone, live from the quarantine tank. Today with uh, yeah. Mr. Brian Langan talking some up, talking some shit over here. Um I thought it would be really cool to occasionally talk to certain people and uh pick a a classic album or two, which we all love, which makes it then difficult to number the songs. So we will pick our five favorite songs from these classic albums. And I thought, what better way to start this series than with uh, you and to, yeah. to pick uh, a classic hip hop record as well as a classic rock record. Um, so we went with uh, Ozzy's first album, which right. was... Uh, Blizzard of Blizzard Oz. Blizzard of Oz. Two, yes. I believe it was two years, 1980. So it must have been two years after um, the Sabbath record, Never Say Die. Um, yes, 79. I think he was officially out of Sabbath. Oh, so that, and, was, uh, that was a quick year. A quick year. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess on his heels and not knowing what he was going to do. Well, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, because you, so he, here's a guy that, like, Geezer wrote the lyrics, everyone else wrote the music, he was just kind of like the voice, you know? Yeah. So he... It, it Which was, would continue, 
<laughs> no, no, for sure. But it wasn't like he was like gonna just pick up a guitar and be like, "All right, guys, I'm I'm on my own." You know, it's like, no, no, oh, no. Now you got to find other people to do what those people did to you. You know, for you, Ozzy is one. You know, he is this larger than life character with a great voice, like unique voice. No one sounds like him, but not a songwriter. Yeah, not a musician. Not any of that stuff. So, yeah, he needed the same exact arrangement. You know, I was reading on, like, uh, a little background on the album and a lot of stuff i known and stuff. But, uh, you know, Bob Daisley pretty much and Randy wrote, like, this record for him. But despite, like, uh, a lot of lawsuits and this and that, and, and, and Sharon re-recorded the album, like, without those guys and a whole bunch of legal fiasco. But it doesn't sound like Ozzy did much writing on this as well no i think uh, no. I, I i yeah like <laughs> those guys and i think what it is that they they signed off credit um and i don't know what their career was before they met ozzy and sharon but you know if you're kind like if somebody came to me right now mm-hmm. as a fucking nobody who's been playing music forever and they're like ozzy wants you to write music and if we like it we'll use it only he's going to take credit for it you know, and I submit stuff that they actually use. Like, you know, uh, in a way, you're probably like, oh, cool. All right, I'm in the band and I'll just play. And if he wants to say he wrote it, I guess that's cool. Just make sure my check doesn't bounce. Yeah, you know, a gig's a gig. You know, I guess but they, they uh, Curse Lake, who played drums on it, and, and Daisley had, you know, they were in and out of court for a while, which I think is what led Sharon to. She actually said that Ozzy wanted to re-record the album with uh, Mike Borden and, and Rob Julio, but <laughs> that wasn't. She, yeah. But he, but he even said in his book that she wanted to do it. And Sharon's one of those people. Listen, if you if she's your manager, oh yeah, you know, yeah, she's doing the job. You know what I mean? But like, man, she is heartless. <laughs> I, I I wonder what would have happened if she married somebody like ODB instead of Ozzy. You know, <laughs> I mean, because essentially they're the same person. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like Jizza was writing his lyrics, and everyone was doing shit for him, you know. And uh, they definitely. And, and it, I was gonna. It say, also sounds like. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. um, they they wanted it like Randy and all those guys. It was going to be a band called the Blizzard of Oz. Yes, yes. And and then when the album came out or whatever, and this and that, and then it was Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz, and then they fired Curse Lake and Daisley, and Randy in all reports was. Uh, was pretty pissed off and and you know kind of didn't want to just be a hired hand backing somebody else and and everybody always said he was going to leave after diary but uh obviously we never found yeah, that out never found that out and uh you know to to talk about his playing uh man what a little fucking dynamo that motherfucker was yeah. on these records like y- you hear it um you know when you listen to this this blizzard of oz record it's cut and dry like the five songs it just depends on what order you want to put them in um, yeah the, the five best songs because then there's some stuff on here like um <laughs> the song uh no bone <laughs> no bone no movie. bone movies no bone <laughs> movies and you listen to it and it's like easily like, the worst thing on that record. <laughs> but it just doesn't even sound like it like it belongs on the record and and uh th- there's some other songs on there that that i feel the same what? It's funny you say that because it was actually they threw they threw that was the last thing to be recorded no bone movies okay um because and it was in order to get Curse Lake a writing credit 
because everything was written before he came in to to the fold. So they just slapped that thing on there and it, you know, it shows. I don't know anybody that's ever been like repping that song, like no bone movies as far as the Ozzy catalog. There's always one dude, man. There's always one. It's up there with Perry Mason. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) definitely. Yo, the worst lyrics ever. Like I, every time I hear Perry Mason, I'm thinking like, man, Zach really look, listen to this riff, listen to that <laughs> melody. It should kicks ass. And it's like, who do we get on the case? We need Perry. I'm just, like, yo, that shit is just like. Well, in Ozzy's defense, he probably didn't write it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm like, I know it ain't your fault. So she point out the person who fucking said, I, yeah. I just like. I think if you take him by the hand and like bring him anywhere, like he'll just follow along oh, and like you're ki- yeah. you put a piece of paper in front of you. This is what you're gonna, okay, you know. Listen, like you, I've said it before. You're talking about somebody who's probably never changed a tire. Like he's been famous <laughs> oh, for as long no as like his hands are probably like warm butter. You know, <laughs> he just pushed <laughs> down on them. You know, but it's just because he just always had like handlers like i love people who are yeah. so out of control that like sabbath got so big that there was probably like a team of people you know to make sure the show went on uh the tour manager and then there was definitely one dude who was just in charge of uh, to, to like wake up next to ozzy and like make sure he got to the show oh 100 percent you know, no doubt. If Not he, an easy job. Shout out to that guy. Too, it's probably a big hassle. You know, like you're just like <laughs> hanging out, waiting for the show in like, I don't know, Missouri and like I, in like 85 and like Ozzy's just like, oh, I want to go here. And it's like, OK. And Sharon's like, make sure he's back at this time. Do not keep your, do not take oh, your eyes yeah. off of him. <laughs> or you fucking fight. She probably fired so many people that just. Oh, it's got to be ridiculous. You know what I mean? Um, she, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of hers. Not a fan. But I, yeah. like I said, if she was your boss, I mean, if she was getting you money, then. Yeah. Yeah. She was. She like, does the job. She was like uh, the, you know, fat white woman version of like Suge Knight. Of who? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was like she was like the uh the fucking what is that meme? Karen? <laughs> oh the sure. Karen. She yeah. she she had the Karen hair haircut way before anyone. Um, Ozzy had one too. He did. When I see Ozzy in those old videos and then I see like Kelly Osborne, I'm like, so this is I mean it's the <laughs> they're the same. They could have swapped them out. But um That's true, Brett. Let's do our, our top five songs from this album from nineteen eighty. Sure. Blizzard of Oz. Um I'm gonna let you go first. We're going like Yeah, five to one. The normal uh yeah, style. The, yeah, the ping pong. Okay. Um my number five and again you know what's funny, I hadn't listened to this record, like sat and listened to it beginning to end in so long since I was a kid, you know, and uh and what my favorite song has probably changed now versus what it would have been if you asked me back then and stuff. But I, my number five is Steal Away, The Night. I I uh, I like the riff in that song. Yeah, yeah. I like the energy in that song. And that wasn't one that I played a lot when I was younger, but listen to the record again. That that there. I like that one. That is definitely like the the like it didn't make my five, but that would have been my number mm-hmm. six. 
you know, because there's only gotcha. when someone mentioned nine songs, I was like, oh yeah, I'm like there there is only nine songs. If you take D out, there's only eight. There's only eight. Yeah, that's true yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, so for me, number five is a song that made people kill themselves. Yeah. According to a judge. Uh, yes. Su- suicide solution. You know, it's interesting to think of these things in like the satanic panic era where uh, mm-hmm. this and uh, what was the what was priest? The, what was the priest one? Better by you. Better um, by, something like that. Right? Better by you. Better, better by me. Better than you or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember the track. I remember. But, see- uh, I remember seeing these videos uh, of the, the um, I guess, like the defendants in court. And one of them had tried to blow his head off with a shotgun. Yeah, I think that they purposely showed that so little dudes like me watching this would be like, yeah. "Oh my god!" Because this dude looked like a fucking—he looked like a like a like an alien because of what he did to his face. But it's it's so funny. It's like to to think it's it's so absurd if you think that that actually happened in a court of law. I mean, think about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're taking a band to court over the lyric. I mean, it's it's insane. Your Honor, but that um, was the eighties. Yeah, that was the eighties. <laughs> you know, yeah, because it's in a band's interest to murder that to kill their fans. You know, it's like the trick or treat movie with Sammy Kerr or something. <laughs> well, I was gonna say it was in Damien's thing in uh, the movie Black Roses. I think he. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I think he offed his, he offed his own audience. But uh, I actually had Suicide. I'll just jump in because you yeah. know there's only so many songs on there, but I had that number two. Okay. Um. I love the riff. I love that it was easy to play too as an early guitar player, just that bar chord. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Uh a lot of the songs have a really cool, easy structure. It's just uh when, sure. when it came time to the solo, uh, you know, Randy yeah, Rhodes. You killed. lost me. <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> what do you have as number four? Uh Revelation Mother Earth. Oh man, so we're totally different so far. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, again, um, like maybe uh would be different if you if if you asked me back in the day, but I like the um I like the breakdown, I like the piano parts in it. It's just got a lot of melody in it and uh not again, not one that I fucked with back in the day, but then listen to it again. It's a it's a really good song. Yeah. Um so I got my number four. You know, I'm a big melody guy and to me this basically yep. sounds like a Beatles song. You know, I know Ozzy makes no no bones about it. He is a huge McCartney fan. Uh, oh, yeah. Big Beatles fan. I remember him meeting him on the Stern show. Super awkward. Um, that, that was kind of, that was crazy because you saw like how fanboy he got, you know, like even as an old established musician, you know, like that never goes out of you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and McCartney, <laughs> it was just such an awkward interaction, you know, and they just because oh, yeah. like. Ozzy is so kind of like incoherent, even when he's <laughs> when he is coherent, you know, like yeah. it's still kind of like a hard communication to have. He, I mean, maybe it's just sure. he's medicated, uh, but yeah, good. <laughs> Goodbye to Romance is my number four. I think it's a really, really, really well written song. Um, almost like they like you could do this song on like uh, one of those shows like The Voices. You know, mm-hmm. one of these kids could do it, and everybody will fucking go buy like a hundred thousand records of uh, Blizzard of Oz after hearing it. That that was actually the first uh, track written for this whole project, so Oh, interesting. Supposedly written about Ozzy leaving uh, Sabbath or something like that, but that was the first uh, 
first track they wrote. The good thing about him leaving uh, Sabbath is that it was after a few records that weren't as good as like the first like five. You know? Yeah, they were done, and Dio got in, and there's a shot in the arm. You know, <laughs> know. we got two. We got two good versions of Sabbath. But... For sure. Um, yeah. What do you have as number three? I don't know the song. Mm-hmm. I do know. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a great opener. Always was a great opener for him playing live too. Uh, what was I gonna say again too? As a player, another easy. One. It's actually like the same. <laughs> it's almost the same notes as uh, Suicide Solutions, just played differently. But uh, it's a ripper of an opener, and um, uh, I especially love it on the the tribute record too. I was a big fan of when they put that out, the Double Live. Uh, oh yeah, Randy Rhodes yeah, 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 live yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, that, it's a great, great opener. I have it over at number two actually um mm-hmm. i love that bridge you know a great opener like for sure like when you think of like okay here's ozzy here's you know the first uh song of his solo record you're kind of like oh shit like this is really good and then that bridge comes oh, yeah. in and you're like who the fuck is gu- this guitar player good shit man so that would be not my number two so let's go to your number two which you said was uh, i had suicide solution so cool so i'll, um, I'll do my number three then Okay. Um, which I skipped. Uh, so I have Mr. Crowley. That's my number three. Uh, That's my number one, actually. Is it? Yeah, for me, yep. like, I'm just, like, sometimes I'll be, like, at Walmart. Not anymore, uh, social distancing. But, you know, back when, we were, <laughs> back when we were living it up and going to, like, public places without a care in the world. Stores. Yeah. <laughs> High I life. Would, every now and then, there are certain songs that would just pop into my head, and I would sing them to myself. In like a really yeah. theatrical way, cumbersome by Seven Mary Three was one of them as well. So <laughs> I have become car- right. um, but Mr. Crowley is one of them. It's just like you feel super cool singing it, and then that just that riff that there, 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 so good. And then um, the the intro, the keyboard part, and the subject matter because I love you know the Alistair Crowley, the occult thing that kind of gave Ozzy his his tag you know what i mean i've read a lot of books on crowley and stuff so it was perfect and uh it gives him that evil image which is funny because like you know he was ozzy was always like the evil dark metal lord or whatever but this album too and listening to it it's not like metal it's not very metal at all it's got like a foot in that 70s rock it doesn't really get a metal sound to like diary of a madman but Diary, you know, yeah, kind of, but it it isn't really to like I think Ultimate Sin or Bark at the Moon. Yeah, you know, like I see that too. Yep. Um, everything else is just kind of like, but it might have been like just the 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 time, maybe the production styles, and I don't know. People just I don't know. This all predated things like uh, 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 Merciful Fate too. You know, so like I feel oh like, sure I feel like once they came into the game, everyone's like, oh shit, we gotta. We gotta out yeah, that each step other. up the game. <laughs> yeah, because you. But uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Crowley, perfect trademark song for Ozzy. Yeah, you see a dude like Ozzy who's like the king of dark, you know, the prince of darkness, and all this other shit. Yeah. But then you see like you know King Diamond. I wonder what Ozzy thought. You know, like you're you're like holy shit, like this guy's way more evil than I am. You know, <laughs> you, you see like the merciful fake covers and like his voice. You know, like it just—I I don't know. I feel you like think he even knows who they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. There's a chance. No, I'm you're, just saying. You're, you're Unless right. someone like put it right under his nose. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Good point. Good or point. Or if he did a line off it or something. <laughs> <laughs> just chopping up a line on, on like Abigail or, or like Melissa, and you're just yeah. like, oh, yeah, cover seems pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I guess that just leaves my number one, right? We we went through everything. Uh, my, yeah, I'm a basic bitch, man. Um, I will say Crazy Train just because it's it's a great song. No matter how many times you've heard it, you know, I, right. I based it on just like uh, the actual songs. And um, yeah, that's a fucking fantastic legend song. riff. Legend riff on that one. Another man, I'm like thinking back. I'm like a lot of these songs, like I learned early on when I was playing guitar. But that riff, I had to learn. I mean, it's become like yeah, it's like Enter Sandman, kind of like uh, yeah, like it's I at that level. You know, sport sports arena games. It's in the public, you know, consciousness, yeah. but. I take it back to when I was a kid. I mean, it was the fucking shit. It's a great melody, great riff. The solo's epic. You know, what can you say? That's kind of like where I took it, you know, where I'm just like, uh, a lot of these things, you know, when we talk about classic records, it's like, okay, I've heard Crazy Train so many times. I've heard it. So many times. I've heard it ruined by so many people. Oh, yeah. Um, When you really break it down, it's just, you know, and you're talking about uh, this record. Uh, the standout. It's funny too that we we you pick album because I I, I just listened to a, a podcast with Dean Del Rey with George Lynch who almost got the gig before Jakey e. Lee. Yes, and um, Mark Terrain of the Bullet Boys. <laughs> he, Mark with a Q. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, <clears throat> he insists that he got the gig and was in the band. They changed at the last minute and added Jakey e. Lee. Oh. I don't. I question this. I I question anything. I feel like I feel like Mark with a Q. Um, it, it, <laughs> like if you, if you if you put a blabbermouth mic in front of him, I think he'll give you whatever you want. Uh, I think he'll make shit up because it's like at this point, so many people don't care. So many people have died. Uh, he, <laughs> yeah. he he could re- he run. has to make that up. I mean, like this was the most coveted guitar gig in the land. And this dude, he—he, he, I didn't even know he played, you me, know. Me neither. <laughs> and yes. he's getting that gig. Yeah. And then supposedly, I I was like researching it to find like the exact story. I heard now, who knows what's true or whatnot, but um, like he came in there to the audition with some friend of his, the coke dealer, got Ozzy all high, did a few <laughs> hammer-ons and trills, and uh, they were like, great, you know, and then when he sobered up, was like, well, you know, we can't have this guy in this band. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that that sound, that checks out for me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just glad that we, we were able to finally get Smooth Up In Ya uh, and Freak Show from the Bullet Boys, so uh, <laughs> I think that's a silver lining, him not joining the band. I, like, I heard him tell the story too on this Inside LA Metal. <laughs> Have you seen those on, um, on Amazon, Amazon Prime? I I scrolled by them because they look like I made them in my living room. Dude, they. You know what? You would think they are one of those, and Prime has a lot of yes docs to avoid. But without being like a hundred percent super pro production, they're pretty good, and they they talk to a lot of people. Uh, you know the. There's all dudes from all the hair band down docking. Like they're all they interview Mike Inez. There's legit stuff on there. 
and um, Mark Terrain with Mark with a Q, of Mark course. But Q. and then a lot of it in part two becomes like uh, a lot of like Uncle Rico's of music. You know, if Coach put me in, we would have won state. You know, if we if we made this deal, we would have went big. You know, they're still hanging on to that. <laughs> a lot of those kind of bands. Third base player of Kick Tracy. <laughs> you know, Blackie didn't take our Blackie Lawless didn't come in and take our drummer. We were headed for the stars. <laughs> like, like I can throw Ron, that football over that mountain. Like Ron Keel. <laughs> Ron Keel is on it. Of course he is. Like when he was, he just came out with a new record last Friday. I just love he. This dude was talking about his career on VH1. Where are they now? Or when the Sunset Strip ruled, and Ugh. and I was like. You know, this was like 20 years ago, or it was a long time ago. Is that ago. when he's leaning on the pickup truck? He is leaning on the pickup truck, <laughs> and, and the whole time I'm thinking, like, I know a lot about music, and I've never heard of Keel, and he's talking about giving up the mansions and the yachts, and I'm thinking, like, who the fuck are you? Like, are you yeah, about? he's either full of shit, or that industry was just, must have been really fun to be in. <laughs> I, <laughs> like think, back then, I think you were a, making that cake. It's a little bit of both, because... Yeah. Um, people seem to like record labels were just giving money out. Like they were like, you know, like how much money do you think Guns N' Roses spent on videos and recording what, I don't know, two albums. <laughs> oh my God. That's obnoxious. Like for real, like they're, they're doing videos like a strange that cost them like, you know, two, $3 million. Oh, you know, you can print money. Yeah. And that, and that's what it was. It would just signing these things it's like okay uh i don't know and 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 maybe you know a lot of these things have to do with why things crashed you know it's someone was just basically printing money via th these record labels and uh now <laughs> you know it's like you're spending yeah, 20 bucks on just cd bloat at that point you know well, it's it was like begging it, yeah it's bloat and like the artists were really making like if you were selling a CD for eighteen bucks, you know they they were getting like a buck and a quarter or something. Every like everyone else had a finger in that pile, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Listen to me, I know I was there. <laughs> but uh, I ju I just finished watching Murder in the Front Row. Did you see that? I didn't watch it yet, but I saw you had it. Did you get that on Prime? Yes. Well, okay. no, not it's it's not streaming. I I rented it on Amazon for th it's fucking three bucks. As soon as I, oh, yeah, yeah. as soon as I got home, I'm like, I'm fucking watching this, and uh, How was it? it's great. You know, it it focuses on those Bay Area bands and and just how they came up together, how Kirk Hammett basically it, like everything started with Kirk Hammett. He taught Gary yeah. Holt how to play guitar. He, he taught him, yeah. You know, like super cool stuff. You know, a lot of Bayloff stuff, um, Metallica, Slayer. Megadeth, some Anthrax stuff, but you know, Testament was in there as well. Death Angel, oh. super cool. It was only ninety minutes. I didn't want it to end, but I know that yeah. there's ninety minutes of extras. I'm trying to figure out how I could stream that. Yeah, do they? That's the problem with some streaming that I wish they you had the option to get extras. Yeah, that's my one beef. That that that's the one thing that physical media holds for me. But uh, and I think not that I really collect anymore. But I notice on Hulu sometimes they'll have a a thing like a drop down where you can see other features or special features. Yeah, I don't know if it's the whole thing, but uh, 
Yeah, thanks for reminding me, man. I got to rent that tonight. Then. Yep, yep, yep. Quick watch for sure. Um, so the second record, you know, going back to, to shifting the, gears, shifting gears. But before we shift, <laughs> I want to say that I am actually way more of a fan of um, Diary of a Madman. Um, but I, I thought it would be cool to start off with the debut record. Well, it's an important album. I mean, it's my fourth. It's probably my fourth in Ozzy's canon for yeah. me. You yeah. know, but it's an important album historically. I'm I'm of the unpopular. Uh, Ultimate Sin is my favorite uh, Ozzy record. It sounds great. Yeah. I love the way that it sounds plays. killer. Um, Jakey Lee is one of my is is my favorite Ozzy guitar player. Yeah, and one of my favorite of all time. Wait till and Zach he kills hears it this. on that record. <laughs> Wait till Zach hears this. No more, no more stage potato. <laughs> like, I'm pretty confident. He's never listened. <laughs> he was like, brother Jeff, who is this fucking Brian Langan guy? <laughs> Who's this guy talking shit? <laughs> Father Jeff, <laughs> kick his ass. Um, cool. So let's go to a band that you know i know we did an episode a few episodes back where uh we talked about groups that put out debut records and seem to have busted their nut there um yeah this is arguably one of those bands even though the second record is bigger than the first but for hip-hop fans like myself and you uh the first cypress hill record is pretty much untouchable compared to the rest of their catalog oh yeah the second one you could make you could probably make an argument. A lot of lot of bangers on that, but uh yeah, they fell off hard after that. It just the second one, you know, like when your lead single, which is their biggest single, so um obviously that's the masses, uh, insane in the brain, like you hear it and it's like, Oh, that's cool. You know, there's some really good stuff like A to the K's on there, um, you know, I wanna get high. Uh, but there's something about that the raw, like really super violent um, production. Um, you know, the second record just seemed very polished. Like they, uh, it was almost like they like bleach to never mind. You know, like they're both good records. Yeah. One just had that raw hip hop street feel, and the other one was just very polished. But you know, like I said, it was, it was actually the 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 one they put out. And what was that? 2018 was the first thing. I thought that sounded decent in a long time. The elephants yep. on acid or whatever. First one that Muggs did in a long time. That's why. Yeah, you, know, you could he, tell. Yeah, he he came back. Oh well, you know, because he was, you know, he's in the middle of his prolific era where he's put out like <laughs> like twenty albums in like the last like you know four years. Oh, it's it's insane. It's yeah. insane. Um. So, what do you remember about this record when it came out? Out instant as soon as I heard the how I could kill a man when that came out, I was immediately hooked. I went out, I got the twelve inch. That was um, how I could kill a man. Funky feel one on the B side. Yep. Uh, when the album, we got the album. Me and my friends would play it constantly. Instantly hooked. I mean, the the sounds of the voices were different than you ever heard the nasally tone and this and that. But there's something about it's it's all about the beats with them yeah for me yeah yeah for sure what about you um so i remember that video i remember how i could just kill a man um and it was probably on you know like yo mtv raps or something and uh man when that beat hits in the video it's funny because i think the video was shot in new york um so i just 
you know, you're watching shit and you're like, oh, cool. Here's this group from New York and how I could just kill a man is a pretty yeah. provocative thing to say. So, yeah. you know, automatically, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know, 14, you know, you just have this bravado about yourself and uh, it's like, yeah, it's like, I can't wait to shoot someone to this song. <laughs> <laughs> um, and man, from there, it's just, they infiltrated state culture. They were, yeah. they were one of those groups, um, maybe it was their association to um, House of Pain that, that integrated them. Uh, same thing, you know, like Wu-Tang and Cypressol were, were those two groups that infiltrated skate culture and uh, festival culture before mm -hmm. it was anything. And uh, I think uh, festival culture really um, helped <clears throat> bring it to the masses. And those masses are, you know, obviously the majority of the, of the country is white. And uh, that's yeah. that's who embraced it. And when white people love you and take you on, um, you're going to get to go to a bigger mass audience. And, and that's what happened with those dudes. And on top of that, seeing them live, they deliver. They're a very, very good fucking band live. Um, no and question. And their catalog is deep. Um, sure, you could throw in some of those later records that no one really knows that well. But when you see them live, their catalog is deep. Um, so they, they played uh, when I went to Binghamton University. They played our homecoming, Cypress Hill, House of Pain, and Funk Dubious. Wow, which is like a soul session yeah. trifecta, but uh, it was fantastic, man. Did you watch L.A. original yet? No, not yet. You gotta, you you gotta watch those two tonight, man. I gotta get. I'm finishing Waco right now. Okay, Karen's watching Waco. Um, eh, it's not, yeah. I got a sidetrack for a second. Is part of do that you want me to tell you how it ends? <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <clears throat> during like the fifth episode, they shut the power. The FBI shuts the power off on them. And they get a generator going. And what do they do? They play, you know, because Koresh was a guitar player or whatever. And yeah, they had yeah. a little band in there. With, with, their, with their precious generator power, they play. I still believe back at the feds because the feds are playing music. They play, I still believe by Tim Capello from the lost boys. Wow. That's back at the feds. That's weird. But... Yo, I was like, what the fuck? Like, are they really playing it? Like, and then I'm on this internet search. Like, did this, I need to know that this really happened. Cause yeah. if they really did that, Okay, if they didn't and they picked that, like it's the most laughable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Did, did you like, come hysterical. to a conclusion? I haven't found an answer yet. <laughs> yeah, because maybe they're thinking like, all right, what's in the budget? <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm getting a lot of important work done in this quarantine. You know, did David Koresh's band play "I Still Believe" by the Lost Boys sax guy? Like yeah. that's what I'm googling here. That is, that, that, I I hope so because if 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 it was a budgetary thing, where like they really yeah, it's hysterical, where they really played like you know a Stairway to Heaven, but like Zep is like, nah, you got to give us this much money, and they're like, what could we afford? <laughs> Remember that movie Lost Boys? Let's throw that one in there. Oh my god, I gotta put a share a clip of it when we're done. But uh, yeah, oh. I digress. But anyway, yes, L.A. Originals. So I'm, I'm gonna watch that. I'll watch my front row. That's my evening. Oh, show. Let's do number five. Your number five favorite song from this very <clears throat> long five. album. Um, probably like seven yeah. songs. Yeah, big time. Um, my number five is Latin Lingo. 
Uh, Mine too. I think uh, is it? Yeah. Same number. Yep. You know, as a as a young Hispanic boy growing up in <laughs> the East End of Long Island, the East End. resonated. I said, finally, someone you know speaking my language. Um, I love it. It's a uh, send dog kind of taking a lot of verses on there before he got that like extra constipated sound. You know that. Yes. That he he always sounded like for some reason by like the second album. But uh, it's great. It's I, I love the Spanglish lyrics. And I love the bongos in the back. It's a great track. You want to speak on it? Yeah, man. Um, same thing. So, you know, skateboarding at this time, um, you know, what, what, what's always big when, you, when you're doing stuff like that is, is soundtrack. And this was a great soundtrack. A lot of us would hang out up at Selden over at, like, you know, EAB. We would be waxing curbs. And uh, this song came on, and for someone like me who's bilingual, just like you, uh, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> um, Norwegian and uh, English, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> then the, you know, then your wife, for sure. Um, th- this was like one of those things where you like, I don't know, I I liked it, you know, like it, Sp- Spanish music never connected with me because um, I would have to think too much on the lyrics because it's, you know, I didn't grow up hearing it, you know, so to me it's, uh, th- this was easy. The Spanglish was like, oh, okay, I could pick this up and it's like, I, I understood it. And, uh, right. you know, later on, same thing, man, you, you take, uh, Muggs, man, he did the same thing years later with Sick Jackin, um, sure. on that record, El Barrio, um, did the same thing later on again with, uh, Crime Apple on, on that, uh, record they did together. Um, complete combination of these these beats and and Spanglish, so that is my number five. Agreed. Uh, my number four, I got the uh, the funky feel one. Okay. Uh, uh, again, the track, but this was when, like I said, when I had that twelve inch of how I could just kill a man. This was the flip. So I was. That's all I had for a minute till I got the record. That's you know, that's but, uh, that's a pretty good one and two right there, man. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> you that's know, a killer like, twelve inch. Yeah, you get a twelve inch like that, and you're like, holy shit, this this is gonna be good. <laughs> Even the whole the record's okay. These two songs are great. Uh, nope. So number four for me is tough, man. Very tough because I could have gone a lot of ways. There's, there's a you know th- this record has a lot of good deep tracks, but a few things hit me the way this opening track did, and that's pigs. Um, and mm. to this day, I think I know the words to every one of those, uh, first four songs on this record and pigs was, uh, you know, once again, you're a young kid and it's a complete anti-authority song. And it was like things that you wanted to say, but they said it for you. You know, <laughs> I think they were probably a little bit more harassed than I was, uh, you know, riding a skateboard and sell them or doing whatever I was doing at 14, 15. Um, so yeah, probably. My number four is Pigs. Nice. What is three? Three. Uh, light another. The whole, you know, weed thing that they do is like sometimes. I mean, obviously, this was the first record, so it wasn't like because I can't hear like that's the only thing you rap about. Like after a while, like all right, I get it. You yeah. like weed or whatever. <laughs> but being being uh, you know, on the first record, uh. They hadn't gone that. Obviously, you could tell that was a big thing of their whole, you know, image was going to be or whatever. But uh, I just love the way the track moves. All everything they do, like be real, never like is is all voice to me. It's not like he's dropping rhymes that are like really like, you know, 
making me hit rewind on my cassette player. You know what I mean? Like, oh shit, what did he just say? And it ain't like that for me. It's really mugs and what he lays down behind it that that sets it off for me. I like Be Real, but like it's mainly just it's the sound of his voice works with it and stuff it, like it, that. It works with it, and he wasn't rapping like that in the beginning. Uh, he, right. he was rapping like deeper, and then I, I think Muggs was the one who told him to like you know try changing your voice, and then he did that high pitch thing, and it cut through because I guess he yes. was, what he was doing didn't cut through. Um, and and did uh, he tell that on uh, People's Party? I think I remember hearing that story too. Yeah. I feel he told it, in, you know, it's his story, so I'm sure he told it in, oh, yeah. in a bunch of places, but mm -hmm. po possibly, yeah, yeah, where he just told them that it just wasn't cutting through, and, you know, they, they were forming the sound. I, I think they, they signed a late, uh, a deal in 89, and this record didn't drop to, like, I don't know, two, three years now later. One, I think, right? I think Did so, yep. Yeah. Uh, um, But, yeah, man, there's something to the fact that I could listen to this record and still remember all the words. I don't know yeah. how that happens, you know, because it's a hip-hop song, and there's a lot of words to it. It's not like you're fucking singing a melody. It's not like, you know, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. <laughs> but there, that's, you know, the, the, the genius that somehow is be real. That he, they're, he's not, like, killing you with bars. It's like Guru. You know, whatever. Yeah. Like, Guru, Perfect. Guru don't say much, but his voice is super memorable. And his flow and his his uh his lyrics are just I don't know they're just so smooth that you just like you know you 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 could definitely rap to it and that, and that's where I think the um uh, be real strength is man he's just he's melodic uh the hooks when he when you know he does certain hooks they stay mm -hmm. in your head I mean not many people get away with saying Scooby Doo ya and <laughs> you know it's kind of weird and corny but you know it, it works. Um, it works. So where am I? Number my number three. Yeah, number three. Yeah, my my number three is the funky feel one, like you were saying. Nice. Um, and to elaborate with what you said, <clears throat> the production mm -hmm. so cool. Uh, it sounded like James Brown cut. I'm I'm not sure, but then when the fucking beat drops, it's like doom 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 doom, and then fucking like Sen does this thing, man. That Killer. that is timeless, timeless fucking shit, man. When you hear that. I don't care if you're vacuuming or, you know, fucking jerking off or, like, changing the TV. I don't care what you're doing. When that beat comes on, you know, like, you're cooking eggs or something, and you just, like, you turn around, you're like, oh, shit, that's my shit right there, you know? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your number three? Uh, real estate. I, that might be one of my favorite mugs beats of all times, man. And, again, that, that same, like, just what you were saying and stuff, the way when it drops out and the beats kick back in, but the... The hi hats and every bit of it sounds just perfect the and cut. it moves. It, it's moves. just got such a great groove to it. The cuts on that for sure. Oh, killer. Um, okay, so number two for me. Yeah. Number two and one are, are going to be obvious. We might we might have the same. Um, man, hand on the pump. No, oh, yeah. It, it's such a memorable chorus. You know, be real does that memorable shit, you know? Sawed off shotgun, mm -hmm. hand on the pump, left hand on a 40, puffing on, like, to this day, like, your grandma, they'll say that shit, you know? Like, a 10-year-old Everybody knows that. that hook. Yeah. I know. Like, you go to confession, and, and if your phone rings, <laughs> and that's, like, your your your, <laughs> your ringtone, <laughs> the priest will be like, yo, that's my shit, that's the first cypher. So I'm like, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. This motherfucker's spitting. <laughs> it's motherfucker's spitting. <laughs> uh, you know, hand on the pump is just, fucking classic it's just 
you can't get better than that unless you get to number one. And uh, so what do you have for number two? My number, well, I gave you real estate was my number two. Oh, really? Damn. Yeah. How am I so off? Okay. So number one? Uh, how I could just kill a man. Yeah, same. You know, yep. that was the one that that sold me, that hooked me. And that beat is just, I was saying real estate's one of my favorite mugs beat. I mean, how I could just kill a man is probably my all-time favorite mugs beat. It's just. You had, um. It's like just so blunt. Q-tip and Ice Cube in the video. Um, definitely on the Juice soundtrack, I believe. Uh, was it? This was on Juice soundtrack. I'm pro- maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was. You might be right. Yeah, that was a lot. That was a good soundtrack. It was a good soundtrack for sure. Um, but yeah, man, it's this was it. You, you heard this, and uh, to this day, you you know you're DJing somewhere. You play that. It's it's their stairway. It's their back in black. It's just when you think of but that's that's also where the divide is you know like you get the the hip-hop group this is where their song is but you know the rest of america is insane in the main membrane and whatever other weed song was on uh <laughs> black sunday right wasn't it like i want to get lot. high or something they were like shit. all weed songs no but i think it was like i want to get high or some shit like that like the hits from the bong. That's what it was. Maybe it's hits from. That was in the, with the son of a preacher man. Uh, yeah. Sample on it, but uh, yeah. Now how it could just kill a man that comes in, and when that bass comes in, yep. drops in yep. the beginning. That yep. shit is just ridiculous, man. For sure, and uh, we both agree this is their best record, right? Yeah, no question. No it's, question. Uh, I, I mean, a, a lot of this stuff. After Black Sunday was just unlistenable to me. Like when? How, when did you like? When did they fall off three. the map for you? Three by three, I was already on to probably, you know, the infamous and like other mm. things. You know, like I was just listening right. to like other groups came and uh, took that place because um, three just lacked. I don't know. It, it just it, it didn't it sounds very uninspired. It yeah. just not there yeah they said that they were having like some internal conflicts during three and i guess that's what happens you know you when you have to make music with people that you're not getting along along with um they're just lazy potheads <laughs> they only had two albums in them yo so going back to 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 la original there's a lot of fucking cypress hill stuff um it's very uh soul assassin soul assassin centric so that dude, mm-hmm. Estevan Oriol, was like their cameraman, documentarian, uh, tour manager. So he took pictures and videos of everything. So there's so much footage of them when they first started. And oh, it's, shit. Oh, it's so good. It's, I did oh, not. I'm going to love this. I, you know, Murder in the Front Row is good, but there's mm-hmm. something about fucking L.A. Original that just really... Like, you know, a movie's good that halfway through the documentary, I'm like, you know, pausing it and going to like Red River pages and telling people, I'm like, yo, you, you guys got to watch this. You know, people yeah. people like the easy access of Netflix, you know, where they could just stream shit right away. And th- this is it. It's it's very, very good. Wow. Well, I think you work for it. I got to get on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Anything else? Nah, man. That's, uh, you know. Getting through this quarantine life. <laughs> yeah. You know. Are you getting fat? I definitely, uh, 
I've already like gone past the point where I've I've said I have to stop eating <laughs> so much. Like I'm I'm at the recovery point already. You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> like the incubation yeah. phase of my of getting fat. It's already happened. Okay. And now I'm like, today I got the bicycles out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh man, you like, got the bicycles out. That's funny. You know, you know, dusting them off or whatever. I gotta get. Yeah, I ain't gonna let myself like you know go yeah. crazy here. How's our boy Todd Reynolds doing? I stop by his window every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That's very nineties, uh, <laughs> very nineties sitcom of you. <laughs> we trade uh, jigsaw puzzles. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's Keep cool. Busy. I was yeah. I was listening to a podcast, uh, Shockwaves, and uh, one of the dudes, okay. one of the dudes there. Um, I guess there's something called messed up puzzles or something. So they uh-huh. make these, um, you know, classic horror movie puzzles, you know, of maniac and pieces and stuff like that. So you you get to put them together. Really? Yeah, that's wow. pretty cool. I got to find the puzzles are hard to come by, right? The, the, it's like it's the hot commodity. Puzzles are having like a renaissance right now. Everyone, <laughs> that's because <laughs> everyone's like, all right, you know, like I need to do something with my hands. It doesn't involve masturbation or like you know, <laughs> streaming TV or eating or eating. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, put the French fry down. It's uh, bad. I know. Well, I'm already fat. Though. Ju- <laughs> you know, like I'm already. I had to stop up at Whole Foods because I'm like, if I just like lock myself in with it, all healthy shit, then that's what I'll eat. You know. That's true. You know, for me, um, you know, Karen, Karen really stocks up on on snacks and. um I've eaten more random snacks in the last like month and a half than I have in like mm-hmm. the last eighteen months. But <laughs> but it's just because it's there. Like I'll like I'll eat shit that's just there. Like I don't really yeah. eat potato chips, but oh, there they go. So if there I they s- go. I'm sitting here watching Netflix. Yeah. You know. The and world's, you know, in anarchy right now. We're at the end of civilization. I'm gonna eat some fucking chips, man. I yeah. get it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> But um, I just wish I started at zero, like where you are, you know. <laughs> I I was already like where I started was way too far gone. So I just I wasn't anticipating sitting at home for the next like eight weeks. No, no, no one was. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all yeah, right, man. so awesome. I'll keep dumping Boy. all these episodes out. <laughs> cool, man. Thanks, dude. All right, we'll talk. All right, bye. bye. I don't want to